a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Time for another 48 minutes of audio destruction. This is Table Talk Radio. Hey, uh, what's going on today? Destruction. What do you. What do you... Uh... Do we know what we're doing today? I don't know. Not too oh, much. Just okay. goofing off. Just uh, recording some Table Talk Radio. I think we're going to do a little uh, Name That Church Body yes. after buzzwords. Yes. You got a buzzword there? I got one for you. I do. I have a book with a lot of buzzwords. Oh, so yeah. A, I, I tip, forgot. I always have to pick your buzzword for you. 650. Okay. Uh, uh, let's say uh, 142. 142, okay. Uh, here we are. I'm, by the way, working with the Doctrinal Theology, the Evangelical Lutheran Church. And this is talking about the attributes of God. Mm. And what attribute is this on here? This attribute is... Um, oh, it's a whole list of divine attributes. It's about... Oh, it's about the attributes. So it's the attributes... The attributes of the attributes. Um... It is objected that some, this is by Chemnitz. It is objected that some things are affirmed of God with respect to time. The word was made flesh and became for us a creator, aid in time of trouble, refuge. Therefore, all this is predicated of God as an accident. Cyril replies, with respect to creatures, some things are affirmed of God under the limitations of time. Temporaliter. And these are affirmed as an accident. Not because anything happens with the change to God's substance, but as an accident of the creature in which the change occurs. So this is this is an interesting conversation, but it's about the this business of God's being in or out of time. So let's call this God's timelessness. Let's make okay. timelessness your buzzword. Okay, got it. Uh, my theological buzzword for you is very exciting and uh, relevant. It is the word epiphany. Uh, epiphany is means manifest. Uh, actually, had it just uh, last Sunday where you have the uh, wedding at Cana where Jesus turns water into wine. And then the last verse of the gospel lesson said that he manifested his glory. This is the epiphany. So I always talk about, hey, uh, imagine, uh, I suppose God could have uh, created us in this world and then step back and, you know, like closed the box and taped it shut and never to intervene uh, into his creation. And we would just be none the wiser. We would just be, you know, uh, making up what we think about God and we would be, you know, 
uh, probably sacrificing things to appease uh, the gods so that the the atmosphere gives us the rain that we want and this sort of thing. But when God then steps in to our creation, he is revealing to us who he is uh, in the person of Jesus, and that's the epiphany. Mm. Got it. Epiphany. Yeah. So the way uh, name that church body works is I usually read from something called the website, and Pastor Wolfman usually reads from something called a book. And uh, we try to guess, based upon some statement of beliefs or something or rather, what church body we are uh, reading from. Um, I have something a little bit different for you, Pastor Wolf Mueller. I have this church body's website has a section um, called uh, Metaphysical Bible Interpretations. It says... Our Bible interpretation library takes. Wait, that's not fair because I was just reading that this morning. uh, Oh, oh yeah, this is like this is just pulling from your your, you know, daily daily reading. Says our Bible interpretation library takes stories and events in the Bible beyond their literal interpretation to provide uh, metaphorical perspectives, uncovering the hidden wisdom and spiritual insights. Use the search feature below to find a Bible verse that has already been interpreted. If a verse is wow. not found, or if you have specific questions, you can use the form to inquire. This would actually be kind of fun. We could start submitting, uh, hey, what, what's your interpretation of this? Uh, but I thought I'd read some of these and see. They, pro- they were going to be like, hey, look, the Valentinian Gnostics <laughs> interpreted it already, so you don't get a shot at it. I mean, could you imagine a more like pristine definition of Gnosticism? Is that right there, what you just read? It's amazing. No. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read off a few passages here. You tell me if if one of them sounds interesting. John 21. Okay. Uh, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Philippians two. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ. Uh, Acts fifteen fifteen eleven. On the contrary, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord. Acts four. There is salvation no one else, for there is no name under heaven. John 17. Yeah, let's do that one. Acts 4. Okay. <laughs> All right, it's loading. It's a, they have a slow server. I, you have to, you know, okay. Okay. Well, you know, it takes a while to dig down to the deep and hidden meaning. Of <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, it says, uh, as is consistently the case throughout the New Testament, particularly the Gospel of John, it is necessary to be clear on the distinctions between Jesus Jesus Christ, and the Christ. Jesus is the Jewish teacher from Nazareth, whom the disciples had followed for many years. The Christ is the name which Jews describe the indwelling presence of God that is our spiritual truth. Jesus Christ is the term we use in recognition that Jesus not only understood and taught the Christ, he surrendered so fully to his own spiritual power that he became that power in human expression. He became Jesus Christ, Whoa. fully human, fully divine. Anything you want to talk about so far? I can keep going. All that well, sound okay? Wrong, obviously. <laughs> but so this is a, it's an interesting thing to say that, so when you're reading the Bible, you have to say, is it talking about Jesus? Well, that's the man. Is it talking about Christ? Well, that's the divine energy source. And then Jesus Christ is talking about the enlightenment that Jesus has, uh, has achieved. This is, I mean, again, like pure Gnosticism. You know, we so we sometimes talk about Gnosticism 
a little bit loosely. I mean, th- th- this separation right. between matter and spirit, but this is this is the good old fashioned, <laughs> like straight from the source kind of Gnostic stuff. Right. It's amazing. All right. Well, uh, it continues. I'll do. I'll, I'll read a bit more. The Christ is the truth of our own identities as well, but we have not yet. Oh boy. Been able to be, sorry, not yet been able to become the Christ in expression as Jesus did. That is precisely what we must do in order to achieve the new dilemma of spiritual consciousness Jesus describes as the kingdom of heaven. We must follow his example and his teaching to allow our own Christ nature to express through his human experience. In this passage from Acts, Peter has began expressing his own Christ nature by healing others. When he is challenged, he explains that someone who is sick and is now healed is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ. It is by aligning himself with the Christ presence of God, which Jesus taught and demonstrated, that Peter is able to heal others. It is by aligning ourselves with the Christ, the presence of God within us, that Jesus taught, demonstrated, and urged us to find and express that we too can heal the expressions of false belief and affirm the new kingdom consciousness. It goes on, but that's probably enough. Boy. So I have to guess who is saying this nonsense? (laughs) Boy, oh boy. This is... uh, uh, I mean, you can have another Bible passage if you want. Yeah, I might, because this is curious to me. But you know what might be interesting is at, get one more Bible passage and then try to give my own interpretation of the third Bible passage. But <laughs> That's right. there, there's this danger that we sort of make Jesus into our own image. And this is Jesus, the guru, who who walked on the path to enlightenment and then shows us that same path so that so that Peter has this, what did they call it, his Christ consciousness, and that's why he's able to heal people. That's an amazing thing to say. So rather than speak of the uniqueness of Jesus, uh, the, the, how Jesus was alone the Savior of the world, it talks about how Jesus is, what, a force or a power or something like that, that then br- brings that kind of life force into the world. And, and how, it, I, I don't think it's probably an accident that the devil would bring this misinterpretation straight to one of the texts that talks about the uniqueness of Jesus. There's no other name given in heaven on earth by which we must be saved. So we know that that, that salvation is in Christ. But the, but these Gnostics will take that and say, well, that yeah, that is in Christ which we all attain, in the Jesus which we all become. It's an amazing thing that to take the... The, the specificity of the New Testament doctrine of Jesus and to make it into kind of a universal salvation. Wild. Yeah. So um, it's uh, the, the beginning here where it says our, our Bible interpretation library takes stories and events in the Bible beyond their literal interpretation and provide metaphorical perspectives uncovering hidden wisdom and spiritual insights. So you so you read this particular uh, write-up about Acts, um, and you want to ask the question, well, is what is said true? And, well, who who is to say? I mean, uh, how, how, do we, how do we discover truth beyond the literal meanings of the words? So I think we're out of time. I'm going to finish that thought when we get back from this break. And, uh, and we'll see if you have another verse here from this mysterious church body. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Hey, you really are listening to Table Talk Radio. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Boy, that bumper music so rudely interrupted me mid-thought. Uh, but anyway, what I was trying to say was that uh, you know if, if you if you go past the meanings of words, you no longer can have any certainty about anything. That that you, that you say, oh well, what this really means if we go to the metaphysical, metaphorical understanding to get wisdom and secret uh, knowledge, well. That's just what you're saying, but can it be true? Can I know it? And the answer is always going to be no, because it's entirely, completely subjective. Now, we always, we still fight over interpretation when we actually take words for on face value. This is why there are courts, <laughs> because there there's disagreement about what the law says. But at least right. there, the point is that they're fighting over what words mean, <laughs> what sentences actually come together right. to, to convey a meaning, a truth. And... It's a endeavor in theology or law. It's an endeavor to try to seek what those words mean and to, you know, believe them as true. Yep, yep. So this is uh, this is an attempt at. Well, it's a hijacking. It's in fact, in some ways, it's like a uh, what, what is it? like when the demons possessed somebody and they take control of something. So you, what you think you're looking at is the person, but what you're really getting is a demon. So this is a form of demon possess scriptural demon possession so you think you're getting the bible but what you're actually getting is a totally different spirit hmm. uh, trying to use the same words and that's the that's the gnostic way and it's not a, by accident that it calls it the secret knowledge i mean that's the i mean again pure gnosticism yeah right well do you want another bible verse on this yeah okay I'll, do, let's do a uh, uh john the john 21 verse from the gospel yeah Peter turned and saw his disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me read the, the verse as it here, it's here on the screen. Um, uh, G, uh, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was one of one who had reclined next to Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Okay. So here's here's the explanation. This is a passage that almost certainly meant more to its immediate readers than it does to us. Apparently, there was a rumor in wide circulation that Jesus had said he would return before John, the beloved disciple referred to in the passage, before John died. This author perhaps the same John, although we can't be certain of that, wants to make clear that what is not exactly what, um, wants to make it clear that that is not exactly what Jesus said. In its broader meaning, however, it still speaks to us today. Jesus has called Peter three times, just as Peter had denied him three times, to feed my sheep. It's an epic call to take action in the world. Instead of embracing it or even acknowledging it, Peter is concerned with petty details. John was clearly Jesus' favorite disciple, so Peter wants to know what his role is going to be. 
Jesus responds, in effect, by telling Peter to mind his own business. We, too, often get distracted by unimportant human details instead of focusing on our spiritual purpose and mission. When we, like the biblical Martha, get distracted by life, it's possible uh, It's possible still to hear Jesus' firm and loving words, what is that to you? Follow me. Hmm. Well, that wasn't as goofy and mystical as I was expecting it to be. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, kind of a letdown <laughs> after that first one. Uh, I like mean, wait, you, well, it's but like I think you, you. We should probably say though uh, something about when Jesus is calling Peter to feed my sheep. This isn't a call to uh, what make change in the world or whatever that said. Um, but this is this is. Um, uh, Jesus calling Peter to the office of apostleship, you know, so he's going out and feeding his lambs. That is uh, preaching the the gospel uh, so that sinners can be reconciled to God. It's not just like mm-hmm. this follow your purpose kind of a thing, right? Right. That's boring though because <laughs> I, I, the mystical reason is the mystical thing is able to separate it from the history. It's so interesting that this mystical reading is talking about how it would have meant more to the people who were there yeah. than to us. That's like the opposite. Well, but, but I mean, there's, there's certain things I suppose just can't be mystified. And so that's irrelevant data. Like, ah, uh, that's mm-hmm. just, that's just stuff for them back there. Now, how can we get past the, the meaning of the words here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Okay. Uh, I, can, I want to do one more. Let's see. I, and But I want to predict it. So let's play predictable pastor. Okay. Um, how about I give it to you then? Yeah. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you a choice. Do you, you want? Do you, you want? Give, you give me the text, and then I'll try to interpret the text like these guys would. Okay. And then see how close I get. Okay. This is one of those uh, Brian Flammy freakout moments. But okay. Anyway, uh, do you want Acts four twelve? There is salvation and no one else for there is no other name under heaven or Acts 16:31 believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household believe in the Lord Jesus so 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 read me the text again and let me see how okay the text is believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household um let's see the Lord Jesus Christ so here that we have to be careful about how we read the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the person. Christ is that spiritual nature. Lord refers to his ascendancy over all natural powers. And so, and, and your household doesn't refer to your family. That has to be household of humanity, the brotherhood of all human, humankind. And so when people acknowledge that the Christ power uh, exceeds all the natural powers that we see, then we attain to enlightenment, which is salvation. That's mm-hmm. how I think that'll be interpreted. Something like that. Okay. This is what it says. We understand save to describe the process by which we are released from our own sense of imprisonment of in a cell of negative limited thoughts and beliefs that create negative limiting life experience and a restoration to our innate freedom as the Christ love based creative expression of the allness of God this release 
from limited thinking is essential if we are both if we are to both create and experience the full Christ identity that Jesus demonstrates and calls us to. So it is by believing in that demonstration and in the teachings on which it is based that we are, quote, saved. This is different from simply believing that Jesus is the Christ of God in expression. We must also come to believe that we ourselves are the Christ of God in potential, and that by following the teachings and example of Jesus, we are to become equally expressive of that Christ power. We also understand that each of us must come to faith. We don't save others. So the sentence could more clearly be stated. This is where we just rewrite the Bible. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your household, and you will be saved with regard to your statement that you are the only person in the household holding up the banner for Jesus Christ. That sounds dangerously like the kind of judgment that Jesus himself repeatedly urges us not to indulge in. We are never given the authority to pass judgment on anyone else's spiritual journey. If we focus on our own and truly express the infinite love that we will find in our own salvation, we will be the light that Jesus calls us to be. We will transform our lives, relationships, and the world around us simply by being uh, who we we truly are and by extending unconditional love to everyone around us. Now, I can't help but notice—this is me talking—I can't help but notice— that he was sure raining on this guy's parade by passing judgment. I mean, what if what if the the per, it's apparently a response to a letter or something. What if the person person's spiritual journey is that of passing judgment on others? Wasn't it a little judgmental of this author to rain on his spiritual journey? <laughs> that sounds like your spiritual journey. <laughs> It's the spiritual journey of a Fort Wayne grad is what it is. <laughs> um, let's see. The so, answer is... Were you, so were you right? That's the first thing. Well, it didn't... I was I was focusing on the household thing. Yeah. I mean, I was sort of right. I didn't, I didn't get... I could have gone into the, more of the details. Uh, alas, I didn't get there. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was half right. I mean, this isn't a matter of actually believing in Jesus, but becoming the Christ spirit in you. Um... Now, I, so I gotta guess who this is. I, I, I'm thinking that it, I don't know. It's kind of. I mean, it surely is Gnostic, whatever it is. I don't know if the Hari Krishnas get into all of this talk about the Bible, but I imagine if you gave a Bible to a Hari Krishna, this is what you would get. But there's a there's some other these cults like Christ Metaphysics or the. Uh, like the metaphysical kind of things. That's that would be my guess. Is it, it's one of these metaphysical cults. Um, I, I don't. I don't know well, I th- I think I'd give it to you on that. This is called Unity or Unity World, um, which is headquartered out of um, Kansas City, Missouri. So they've got a big whole like spiritual center there, where hmm. you can go there and get spiritualized. Uh, but uh, this, I, so one of the one of the uh, greatest dangers that this is presenting is the notion that um, the feature of Jesus being the Christ is this this great enlightenment that he's demonstrating that we too are to arrive at. So that uh, Jesus's 
divinity is not a, a virtue of him being true God from all eternity become man to die on, a, on the cross for all of our sins. That pesky bump music is always very inappropriately timed. Can I finish this thought after the break? Yep. All right. Yep, that'd be great. Pesky. Pesky bump music. It's not a radio show. It's a relationship. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. That just shows how much we love our sponsors to be interrupted mid-sentence to go to the break. <laughs> I didn't even know we had sponsors. Oh, yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, so I was saying that, uh, that, that it's portraying this, uh, this divinity of, of Jesus not to be a matter of the second person in the Trinity that's existed from all eternity, uh, you know, light of light, very God of very God, but it's saying that this is this... this um, uh, truth that you can arrive at and be a part of, be assumed in, um, if you follow the example of Jesus, uh, which is, I mean, so terribly against the scripture. I mean, it is, I mean, it is an idolatry. It is a false God. It's a different religion altogether. But I want to bring this caution because this does seep into uh, teachers and preachers who call themselves Christian. Now, when we casually criticize Gnosticism. Um, I suppose it's headed that way, but it is not full-blown Gnosticism as, as we we're discussing it today. But I remember back when, you remember that novel called The Shack uh, that, was, yeah. that was out there? Everybody was freaking out about that book because, uh, oh, it portrayed, you know, Jesus as a black woman and uh, the Holy Spirit as like an Asian. I don't I even remember the details, but that was what people were freaking out over. Uh, you know, that obviously is not the way God has revealed himself, but, you know, if he's if he's using characters to, to represent, I mean, neither is Jesus a lion in the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, so it's like, you know, there, there's, I guess, some artistic play there. But the real offense of the book, The Shack, was this very thing, was that, uh, was the idea that Jesus was just a man, but he was able to tap into this divinity and to do miraculous things. And you too, as a man, can tap into the same divinity. That was the, that, that was the real uh, heresy of it. Mm-hmm. And so my warning here is is that Christians can act even though this is a unity whatever universalist spiritual center that I think could not that would not pass the muster to call it Christian this does seep into churches and teachers that call themselves Christian all the time. Mhm. That's right. I think it's a it, it's an amazing thing to think about that um <laughs> That, that instead of recognizing Jesus as the Savior, which is probably the basic point of the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, I said, no, no, uh, we've got to be the Savior. And whatever sort of gymnastics we have to do to make ourselves the Savior, we will do. So we're going to take the words of Scripture and roll them up into pretzels so that we can maintain our privilege of saving ourselves. 
it's an amazing the, the, it's like the the height of 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 human hubris and yet it's just on display and it, it's not it, it is narcissism it's narcissism yep yep all right well i'm ready to get into something else <laughs> okay i would like for you to pick i have here in front of me the encyclopedic dictionary of cults and world religions the revised and updated edition and so it's another pick a page uh thing uh one to five hundred this well, is going to be wild why am i always doing your show prep for it you? is so this is a wild book man this book is just like hmm People All right, crazy. so I'm going to go with whatever is on page 307. Okay. Um, <laughs> thing that you just were reading from. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. Okay, this is... Um, uh, followers of this religious group are commonly called Moonies. Oh. The development of this 20th century movement was rapid and the most popular, most popular in the 1970s and 80s. Like many other cults and sects in this volume, it grew out of Christianity... This church was founded by Sung Myung Moon, who was born 1920 in Punyang Bukdu, province of what has since become North Korea. Uh, he was raised Presbyterian um, in 36. At age 16, he claimed to have received a vision in which Jesus Christ appeared to him, instructing him to complete the task that Jesus had left undone. Huh. That is to say, Jesus had spiritually redeemed humankind, but his work was cut short when he was ar arrested and crucified. The task of physical redemption remained unfulfilled. In 1944, he married uh, the first of several wives. At the time, he changed his first name to Yong, to Sun. The whole name was now rendered as being Sun Shining Moon. Presbyterianism did not appeal to him. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Let's see here. Organizations teaching. So here's the teachings. Uh, regarding God, well, this is going to give a, a summary here. Uh, Moon divides history into three theological dispensations, Old Testament, New Testament, and the completed age. The last mentioned is the time when humanity will become fully redeemed. The divine principle provides the revelatory information for this period. The fundamental theology of this church centers around the doctrine of physical redemption, Moon teaches that Jesus Christ finished on, only half of his mission was cut short by unfortunate crucifixion. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, some doctrines, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, humanity, sin. What well, you want to hear some of these? Salvation, Bible, end times. What what sounds good to you? Sure, well, I'll do I'll do whatever you um let's do some let's end do times. Salvation here. Oh, okay. End times, oh, end times, okay. To, to Moon, Jesus' second coming will occur as did the first. A perfect man and woman will become the true spiritual parents of humankind. Those who accept this, the perfect parents, obey them, and follow the examples will be heirs to the kingdom of God. The day is now at hand. The spiritual hope of the Christian church is different. Oh, oh this is contrasting that. I see. This contrasts it with the orthodoxy. So we'll skip that part. <laughs> uh... Salvation? How about this? Okay. In Moon's theology, salvation consists of two parts, spiritual and physical. Jesus accomplished the former, cross prevented the latter. It's amazing. <laughs> it's the center of Moon's soteriology is the concept of the third Adam. Christianity knows of no such concept. Oh, that's the critique there. You know, I know all about this, um, but I don't know what it's called. And the only reason I know about this is because once upon a time, probably years ago, we were playing Name That Church Body on this show, and this was... This, this is the page was, I was reading yeah, from? that's right. I don't remember that. I, I had never heard of it before until then, but I remember the Mooney stuff, and I remember the North Korea and all that stuff. I don't remember what it's called. 
Um, it's so ca- it's I'm, called. I'll I'm, tell you what it's I'll, called. I'm going to call it Mooneyism. Oh, let's see if that's in here. I don't think that's right. The <laughs> Unification Church. Unification Church, of course. <laughs> The church, uh, also known as the Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity. Yeah. It's, a, it's always a weird idea is that, hey, let's start a cult and then that'll unify things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, this is the, the same thing that I was reading from to you, uh, that unity comes at, at an abstraction of words that mean things. So we could all be united as long as words don't mean anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh well, you believe Jesus that way. I'll believe Jesus this way. Hey, look, we're united. <laughs> no, we're not. Huh? <sighs> what? Well, I didn't get the Mooneyism. Yep. You know, you were one page away from the unity. Ah, oh. oh, man. Ma- amazing. That would have been something. Was that the exact same organization? Uh, the, one, the one out of Kansas uh, City. This one is headquarters in Unity Village in Missouri. That's it. Yeah, that was the one I was reading from. That's funny. That's good. Wow. That would have been crazy. Yeah. Talk, talk about the Gnostic convergence. Good thing you didn't guess that page. Yeah. All right. We've got some time left, and i got another web page to read up Okay. Front. Ready. So I'm just going to start reading the We Believe page. It says, We believe God inspired the authors of Scripture by His Spirit to speak to all generations of believers, including us today. God calls us to immerse ourselves in this authoritative narrative communally and individually to faithfully interpret and live out that story today as we are led by the Spirit of God. In the beginning, God created all things good. He was and always will be in communal relationship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God created us to be relational as well and marked us with an identity as his image bearers and a missional calling to serve, care for, and cultivate the earth. God uh, God created humans in his image to live in fellowship with him, one another, our inner self, and creation. The enemy what? tempted the first humans, and darkness and evil entered our story through human sin and are now a part of the world. This devastating event resulted in our relationships with God, others, ourselves, and creation being fractured and in desperate need of redeeming. I'll stop there. For now. What do you think about that? Uh, well, uh, I think this this is getting somewhat close. Uh, when I was talking before about uh, the Gnostic tendencies being inserted into uh, Christian Christian teachers, this is getting a little too close to that. So mm-hmm. uh, the language back here: God created humans in His image. Da, 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 da. Oh, uh, to live uh, fellowship with him, one another, our inner self and creation. So there we're seeing this division between who we are as God's physical creation and there's something else about our inner self that is not just one and—I don't want to say one and the same, but um, uh, inseparable to the physical creation he's made for us. It's it's interesting. There's some—some of the language in that— what we believe is very evangelical, but but then it's 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 also very it's very progressive at mm-hmm. the same time. It's really that's 
Um, well, I've definitely got more to read after the break if you if you want yeah, it. That's very very curious. Very curious. I mean, it was interesting this part that said God calls us to immerse ourselves in this authoritative narrative com- communally, right? So that uh, it's almost like the apostles were given truths and they were just kind of figuring it out in their journey, and we're supposed to kind of figure it out the same way they did. Right. Uh, so we'll have okay. to think and about emphasis that. emphasis on story and brokenness, the idea of yeah. brokenness and restoration. Of Very kind of That's... postmodern. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you think about that. One more segment of Table Talk right after this. A wise man once said, I listen to Table Talk Radio. He only said it once. Hey. Daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. God calls us to immerse ourselves individually to faithfully interpret and live out the story today as we are led by the Spirit of God. Ooh, where is that from? That's what Pastor Wolfner is trying to figure out in this game, Name That Church Body, reading from a mysterious church website that Pastor Wolfner has to figure out. I got more to read. Yep, let's have it. We believe God did not abandon his creation to destruction and decay. Rather, he promised to restore this broken world as part of His of this purpose. Sorry, uh, as Part of this purpose, God chose a people, Abraham and his descendants, to represent him in the world. God promised to bless them as a nation so that through them all nations would be blessed. In time, they became enslaved in Egypt and cried out to God because of their oppression. God heard their cry, liberated them from their oppressor, and brought them to Sinai, where he gave them an identity and a mission as his treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy people. Throughout the story of Israel, God refused to give up on his people despite their frequent acts of unfaithfulness to him. Keep going. Yeah. God brought his people into the promised land. Their state of blessing God called uh, uh, sorry their state of blessing from God was um, intimately bound to their embody the living God to other nations. They made so interesting. They made yeah. movement toward just to interrupt me if you want to comment. They made movement toward this missional calling, yet they disobeyed and allowed foreign gods into the land, overlooked the poor, and mistreated the foreigner. The prophetic voices that emerged from the scripture held the calling of Israel to the mirror of how they treated the oppressed and the marginalized. Through the prophets, God's heart for the poor was made known, and we believe that God cares deeply for the marginalized and oppressed among us today. Hmm. There's so about this is, three this more is paragraphs, but I'll this let is, you. Yeah. So, so this is kind of progressive Christianity. Now, I've been—I don't know what—I've been thinking about this some because there's nothing holding back evangelicalism from sliding into this progressive um, bent. I, I've been hearing a lot. I don't know if the, you've heard this too, but a lot of folks who have—they've been disappointed with the evangelical church and how it's reacted to so many of these cultural phenomenons and changes that have happened in the last few. Uh, years and a lot of people coming back to well like coming back here to St. Paul because they realized that there was a just a, a sort of a deep instability in the evangelical church and being able to to 
not be swayed by the culture. It's a, it, when, when the church says that we want to appeal to the culture, embrace things of culture, and then to, but then to be unmoved by the culture, to be a bulwark against the culture, it's a very difficult thing for tightrope for them to, to manage. And so I'm tempted to think that this is not a classically liberal uh, church body, but maybe a, a kind of become liberal church body. But it's so thoroughly ingrained, all this language of story and marginalization and all this sort of stuff that, I'm, I don't know, I'm doubting myself. Um, but I mean, uh, so one thing that hasn't been mentioned, unless I, I'm not remembering it, is the idea of sin, transgression, and the penalty there, thereof. Um, so that what this has really become is discovering, discovering God, and then living out the way of God to the marginalized, mm-hmm. um, which is really nothing more than works righteousness. Which is why it can be so married to the culture. Because, you know, the culture can also be all about helping the marginalized. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you're seeing, at least from conversations I've had with you before, that um, when the culture takes a sharp left turn and they go, wait a minute, that seems to be different than the values that I came into this with. It's not that they were given certain values, but I came into this idea with certain Christian values and now being married to the culture it's not going that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're finding out this worked. This narrative worked as long as I could bring my Christian morality along with me. But now that the narrative married to the culture is, is finding itself at odds to the Christian values I brought in with me. And now I can't, I can't be here anymore. I need to find someone who says this is what we believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Turns right. out doctrine matters. It matters. It always mattered. Now, I mean, it's, this is not to say that we are innocent in this whole thing, and it's not to say that the church is a, is a political entity, but there is a really profound sense that the church must always be pre-political. There, there must be fundamental truths that are not—the church has to be that place where, where the culture can be evaluated and the political arguments can be critiqued or supported, I suppose— it it the the church as an institution has to remain apart from the whole political conversation and i, I just don't think evangelicalism well so the progressivism it, progressive churches are built on the presupposition that the holy spirit speaks through culture and so they have no way to resist that hmm. and but the evangelical churches are showing themselves to go that way also so uh, I, I want to get in these next two paragraphs because it, it will address some of the things that we were critical of. Okay. So okay. Um, in Israel's disobedience, they became indifferent and in turn irrelevant to the purposes to which God had called them. For a time, they were sent into exile, yet a hopeful remnant was always looking ahead with longing and hope to be renewed, uh, to be a renewed reign of God, where peace and justice would prevail. We believe these longings found their fulfillment in Jesus the Messiah, conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin, mysteriously God having become flesh. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted and to set captives free, proclaiming a new arrival of the kingdom of God, bringing about a new exodus and restoring our fractured world. He and his message were rejected by many as he confronted the oppressive nature of the religious elite and the empire of Rome. 
Yet, his path of suffering, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection has brought hope to all creation. Jesus is our only hope for bringing peace and reconciliation between God and humans. Through Jesus, we have been forgiven and brought into a right relationship with God. God is now reconciling us to each other, ourselves, and creation. The Spirit of God affirms, as children of God, all those who trust Jesus. The Spirit empowers us with gifts, convicts, guides, comforts, counsels, and leads us into truth through the communal life of worship and a missional expression of our faith. The church is rooted and grounded in Christ, practicing spiritual disciplines and celebrating baptism in the Lord's Supper. The church is a global and local expression of living out the way Jesus, through love, peace, and sacrifice, and healing, as we embody the resurrected Christ who lives in and through us to a broken and hurting world. This is so. The, here, this is the amazing thing. Um, that th- that this is even a, a question. Like this should just be some progressive church, like United Methodist Church or something, you know, crazy like that. But that, like, I'm sitting here considering: could this be some sort of like? Could this be Christianity today? For example, mm-hmm. is uh, is kind of an amazing phenomenon. But I I think it this is far enough. This shows, uh, well, I don't even know, but. So, I I think I still got to go with this is some sort of traditional progressive thing. Like, let's just say disciples of Christ. This is Mars Hill. Ah, dang. Dang, dang, dang. Now, current Mars Hill? Yeah, yeah. This is right off their website today. Uh, Now, I remember when I was in college, I went to a a little Methodist school, Free Free Methodists, and I took youth ministry courses there, and they were saying, uh, you know, modernity has failed. The way of ministry into the future is is in post modernity, and it was all this kind of jargon. You have to you have to be experiential. You have to be um, narrative. It was all this kind of stuff. Well, I graduated college in two thousand seven. You know, years later, <laughs> we can say, all right, how's that worked out for you? Mm-hmm. And it might be hip, it might be trendy. But we're seeing, as we talked about before, this is not delivering people the faith once delivered to the saints. That's true. That's an amazing thing. I, I wonder how, like, I wonder if that co- is coming from Driscoll. Who, yeah, I, I'm all up on the Mars Hill thing after listening to this That's why podcast. I picked it. I thought you'd be all. That um, if, this is, if this is like a screenshot of how it was. Like back in 2015 or 14 or whenever the thing fell apart, or if there's something new that's going on there, that's one of the things I was thinking about because there's this wildly popular podcast, uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill by Christianity Today, which I do not think I recommend, but where I, it's got me really thinking about this. There's some brilliant insights in that, but there's this undercurrent of the way out of stifling. Dogmatism. This this is the idea. Is that the problem with Driscoll was, it, well, it it tries to capture the all the facets of the problem, but it 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 puts in this sort of rabid masculinity together with, um, what with Calvinism, and uh, and a dogmatism that was unwavering, and and the way out of it and the way out of the abuse is a a more open and progressive interpretation of christianity which i'm against 
And so should everybody with the Bible be against. The Holy Spirit makes assertions. So, but um, th th that's few, got me thinking about this. So here. I don't wonder if this if this is sort of a to cover up the da the damage that was caused from before. Mm. I'm just not sure. That would be interesting to compare. Well, I'm afraid that's going to be all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. It's a wild theological world out there. <laughs> Never turn off your discernment. That's right. Careful. Thanks for listening stuff. to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.